Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Derry. In this season of uncertainty, it's hard to know exactly where to go for answers. And in our study of the book of Ephesians has shown us that God desires to manifest his manifold wisdom through the church. This means that for answers, the church has to connect and commune with God and hear his voice over the noise in life. In today's message, we dig deeper into this thought with the message 10 of our series titled The Best Year Ever, Faith and Wisdom. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the message. Amen. Praise God. If you're with us today, I want you to turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And as you're going to the book of Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to read you something that will hopefully help you in your season right now. And I want to read something to you from the book of, actually, the book of, of Mark chapter 3 and in mark chapter 3 there's a young man a man who's praying for his family and so when he's praying for his family what happens is is that he recognizes that there's something in him that's afraid of the outcome of the potential outcome and because of that potential outcome he says to jesus I believe, but I need you to help me with my unbelief. And so today we want to address that today. We want to address the fact that I know that all of us who are watching, we're watching because we believe. But because we believe, we also have a struggle with our unbelief. And sometimes we don't believe that belief and unbelief can dwell in the same place. But the reality is, is that it can We can have total faith in certain things, but the doubt and the things that are out there that try to get us to doubt God begin to come at us. And so we want to talk to you today. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Christians are not just followers of Jesus, but Christians are the body of Christ. And because we're the body of Christ, it means that we are not only waiting for God to show up in our circumstances, but we're connected with God. And we're connected with God by His Holy Spirit. And His Spirit is what God gave us that we would never be orphans and never be alone, but that we would always have His presence with us at all times. And so right now, we want all of you to remember that God is with you. God is with us all. God is here in this place, and God is with you where you are. And because you know that God is with you, you want to then keep your focus on God. God said, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me because he trusts me. And our trust in God is always activated when you recognize that God never leaves you nor forsakes you, that God is always with you. So today, as you're looking at Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to remember that this year, for those of you who've been with us here at Abundant Life this whole year, this year we've been preaching to you and reminding you of a couple of things. And that is in the book of Acts, Paul told the, the church that he was talking to, he said, listen, I want you to understand that I had three commitments that I stuck to. Number one is that I, I committed myself to serving the Lord with humility. In other words, I recognize that I have been blessed in order to serve God. And so I'm going to make sure that my focus is on serving him in humility no matter what. The second thing he wanted them to remember is, is that they knew how he faced trials and persecution from the Jews. And so he he said, remember, you're going to face trials and persecution in your season. So you want to keep in mind that as you're dealing with your season, you're dealing with your challenges, that it is expected that we're going to deal with those. And so we also want to remember the third thing he said is that I withheld nothing that was good. 
So right now, we want to make sure that we, we recognize that in this season of challenge, you have been blessed to be a blessing. You have something to offer both the body of Christ and to the world in general. And now is not the time to hold back. Now is the time to actually pour out what you've received. So as we're here and we're talking about this, I want to begin us where we left off in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. And in that passage, we see that Paul is ministering to the church at Ephesus, and he shares with them in verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God may be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Now, this passage gets back to the fact that the church's responsibility in verse 10 is to make known to principalities and powers of darkness the manifold wisdom of God. Well, let me tell you something. The manifold wisdom of God is never going to be seen until it outshines the things in the world. And so as that reality happens, we have to know that the church is designed to survive in challenging times. The church is actually fully equipped to be full of faith and to work in seasons where it looks like there is no hope. And so in this season, the church must maintain its understanding that it is called to be something different. It is not called to just sit and wait. It is called to take active participation in the changing and the transformation of the world. So you must understand that God's calling to you is to be a world changer. And you become a world changer, not by things that you might think, but by the things that he says in the verse 12, it says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. You should have boldness in this season. You should have boldness in your faith. You should be ready to say, I understand. I'm going to use wisdom, but I'm also not going to let go of my faith. In a conversation with some pastors yesterday, there was a group that was talking to us and they were, they were trying to prepare us to deal with the government um, when things go worse. And unfortunately, my mindset was resisting that because mine's mindset was resisting that I'm not going to the government, I'm going to God. And if God gives me wisdom to go to the government, then I will, but I'm not going to start with the government. I'm going to start with God because I want to make sure that number one, the government is leaking oil. The government is pouring trillions of dollars. And if we were already in debt as a government, where are they getting more money from? So we must understand that as we're dealing with this, we have to know that the government is not the answer for us. The government may help us. There may be things, but ultimately all of us must trust God. We must trust the God who created all things and is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But that doesn't come by observation. It comes by recognizing that first we have boldness in Christ and second we have access to God. That we must have confidence and maintain our faith through all things. So look again at verse 12. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So I want you to recognize boldness and confidence. We're going to make sure that we understand what does that mean. So I'm going to have you turn to the book of Hebrews chapter four. Go quickly to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four is a passage where the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking to the Jewish people who have been transitioned into Christianity. They've made a, cha they've made a change from being 
involved in Judaism to now becoming Christians. So he has to explain something to him. In verse 12, he tells them, for the word of God is living and powerful. In other words, the word, the scriptures that we study, the Bible is not just another book. The Bible is actually a living organism. It is something that represents the ideas that back who Jesus is. So the word of God is living. And it's also why Jesus is referred to as the word of God. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's why when you quote scripture to people, it makes people mad because it cuts to the very intent of the heart. And so we understand that when God has given us boldness and access, he's giving us boldness and access to him, but you've got to come to him through the word. And the word of God is alive and it will speak to you. And it cuts to the very intentions and thoughts of the hearts of men. Verse 13 then says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes to whom we must give an account. In other words, we can't forget that at some point all of us are going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. It means we're all going to die at some point. And after we die, there is going to be some reckoning, some point where we have to give an account. And so understanding that we must live a life that reflects that we believe. Now, if your thought process is, well, I don't believe in an afterlife. That's okay. You still got to give an account in this life. That's what that's what laws are. Laws are us giving account to the government, giving account to what's around us. So understand that all of us have to give an account for something and there's nothing that's laid open without him. Verse 14 says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Right now, because we believe on Jesus is not the time to start saying what we know we should not say. In other words, we talked in faith when we were prospering. Now that we're struggling, we can't stop talking faith. We got to recognize we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So right now in the time of crisis, it's time more than ever to guard your words, to make sure your words align. Verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. In other words, Jesus has seen famine. Jesus has seen sickness. Jesus has seen all the things that we have seen. Yet, all points, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so we don't have a high priest who doesn't understand us, which brings us to verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now is the time where we need the throne of grace. Now is the time when we do not need to be afraid. We need to hold fast to our confession of faith and come boldly to the throne of grace. Not come boldly to the government to ask what they're going to do for us. Come boldly to the throne of grace to see what God can do for us. Because God is able to do more than we think. But he works it according to the power that's on the inside of us. So this let us come boldly speaks to the issue of prayer. Prayer in the life of the believer. See, coming boldly before the throne of grace means that we're coming boldly before God's throne. But notice what the scripture says. 
Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. In other words, it has to be grabbed. It has to be acquired. We must obtain mercy from God. Mercy is what God gives to allow us to not be penalized for what we have done wrong. But grace is what comes to us and gives us favor when we haven't deserved it. And so understand that both mercy and grace are available. So number one, we obtain mercy. In other words, when I've done something wrong, I must come to God, confess my fault so I can obtain mercy. But I find grace. In other words, I just walk around and grace, the unmerited favor of God, just comes to me without me having to earn it or deserve it. And so I got to go get the mercy from God, but then I obtain or I just find grace to help in my times of need. And right now, whether you earn or deserve anything from God, you go to God, you ask for mercy for any area that you've fallen short of because you have a high priest who understands your weaknesses. And then with that, then you come back and you live your life recognizing that the mercy and the grace of God is now on you. The unmerited favor of God will be upon you and that his spirit will lead you and guide you everywhere you go. So listen, I want you now to go quickly to the book of uh, book of James chapter five, and we hit this really quickly, to obtain grace and mercy. Matter of fact, don't go there yet. Go to the book of Luke chapter 11, Luke 11. So when we go to Luke 11, I want you to listen to this. To come boldly before the throne of grace means we're coming boldly to God, means we're coming to God in prayer. Because to come into the presence of God means that there's going to be a conversation between us and God. And our simple definition of prayer is talking to God, listening to God, and then moving with God. And so understanding that that is our very simple foundation, we want to look at Luke 11 and see how do we pray. Because to understand how we pray will help you when you come before the throne of grace. So now it says in verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. That when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So the disciples noticed that Jesus was praying. They noticed how he was praying and they said, we don't, we don't understand this. We don't understand how you're praying. You're praying differently than what we've learned. We're praying differently than we were taught. So we need you to teach us to pray because the same way John wasn't praying like we used to pray. So he said to them in verse two, when you pray, say, in other words, prayer needs to be spoken. If you do a silent prayer, that's fine. But if you really want to do something, you need to speak your prayers. You need to speak out about your prayers. When you pray, say our father in heaven. So there's two important things in this passage we have to remember, because many times the, these simple words here are not really studied by us, and we make assumptions about what they mean. Number one is the relationship between us and God, God being a father. Later on in this passage, he says, which father among you, if his child asked him for a fish, would give him a scorpion instead? Which father among you, if your child asked you for bread, would you give them a rock instead? And so he makes this appeal to them to recognize that the father relationship is key to your prayers. And you need to recognize God being a father in your prayers. Now, when you think about fathers, if you had a bad father relationship, that's okay. You've got a good father now. And so that's what we want to focus on, a father. Abba is the word for father. That Greek word means 
uh, to be a parent, a complete parent. It's not male or female. It is an entire parent. Abba, our father in heaven. So the key is in heaven, our father in heaven. So God is not in this case as the father on the earth. However, he is in heaven. Now that's important to understand because if you don't understand that, then you won't recognize the power of this season. Hallowed be your name. To hallow means to make it holy. To your holy is your name. Your name is lifted up. Your name is set apart from everything else. The name of God is different than the other name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we established in this that God is in heaven. But the question is, who's on earth? Give us day by day our daily bread. Actually, let's go back to verse 2. I want to clarify something before we go too far. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In our prayers, we should be making a declaration that the will of God be done on the earth the way it is done in heaven. So that is our constant confession. God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where is God? In heaven. Where is man? On earth. Lord, let your will be done on earth in me the way it's done in heaven. In other words, let me be like I will be in heaven. Let me now move and operate and be as I would be in heaven. Let your will be done in me. What am I planning to be in heaven is what I should be planning now to be on earth. I should not be waiting until I get to heaven in order to say, oh, I'm going to be this. I'm going to no. right now. I want the presence of God. I want everything that I would do in heaven. I want that to be my impression and the thing that's on me. And if you have that desire, the desire to have God be in you right now, what you will be later on, then what you do is you've gotten an idea and understanding of the kingdom. Because the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Those aren't things you're going to get in heaven. Those are things you should have right now. And right now, our righteousness, our peace, and our joy should be reigning over us so that we don't walk into stores afraid of whether there's going to be food or not. So we don't walk into situations wondering whether there's going to be enough or not. We don't walk into our jobs wondering, is it going to be here tomorrow? We can't worry about that. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is what I'm counting on. And I'm counting on God's will to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Because that's my prayer. That's my conversation with God. And when I'm speaking to God, I'm expecting God to speak back to me. To give me guidance. To give me understanding. And he's not a respecter of person. So he wants to do it for everybody who's in the church. God wants to speak to us all. He wants his will to be done in your life the way it is in heaven. He wants your provision to be taken care of in the earth like it is in heaven. He wants your health to be in earth as it is in heaven. He wants the things around us to be in earth the way they are in heaven and the instrument he's using is our prayers to transmit back and forth that which is required then in verse 3 he says give us day by day 
our daily bread. Give us every day what we need. That should be our regular prayer right now in this season. So every Christian, if you've been hoarding, stop. <laughs> now there's a difference between hoarding and making provision. Provision means you are using wisdom and understanding to say, this is what I need. It becomes hoarding when you go past what you need and you're now taking from others. See, when God led the children of Israel out into the wilderness, taking them to the promised land, they said, what are we going to eat? He said, I'm going to provide for you. And I'm going to put something every day. There's going to be something on the ground. Day by day, there's going to be something on the ground called manna. And when you get it, don't take two days worth, only take one day. And when you take one day, take it to you, eat it. And when they ate it, they said, it's sweet to us. But when they tried to take two days, they brought it home and it rotted. One day. After one day, it rotted and it began to soil everything else around it. So they had realized, no, God wants to be our daily provider. God wants to be our daily provider. God wants to provide for us day by day. What did he tell us in the book of Matthew chapter 6? He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. You believe in the kingdom. That's our goal. Believe in the kingdom. If you're at home and you are scared, you got to be first be honest with yourself. I have fear. Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. See, right now, there's an image, an idol of fear that's out here, and it is trying to get us to forget our simple prayers. Prayers that many of us had to memorize when we were children. And if you came up in different religious backgrounds, you may have memorized the Lord's Prayer, so you know these words. But why do these words get shadowed down now? They get shadowed down because a bigger image of fear is being painted for us. And guess what? It's real. But guess what? Even though it's real, you have a God who's realer. You have a God who's more real. You have a God who's a healer. So that if for some reason you do get infected with a virus, then you need to turn yourself to meditating on the word because the word is alive, quick. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to pierce and divide the soul and the spirit, the joint and the marrow. It will discern what's in your heart and it will bring healing to your body. It will be health to your flesh. So you got to make sure that you're not afraid there's a story about a man by the name of John G. Lake, who was in uh, the late 1800s, early, excuse me, the, the, the early 1900s. He went to Africa where there was bubonic plague all over the place. And so he went into the place and he began working with lepers and people who had plagues. And, and the other doctors were asking him, how in the world is this happening? How are you walking with them and working with them and not getting infected? And he told them, he said, take the cells of my hand and put them on a used to have microscopes with little glass pieces that you would look in. He said, put it on there, put the culture there and then drop the disease on it. And his quote was, this is what he said. He said, when they did it, they watched as his cells fought back against the other cells. That sounds miraculous. Like that can't be true. But guess what? With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. So the question is, what do you believe? See, we have boldness and access through our faith. And it is through our faith 
that we have access to all things in God. It is through our faith that we look in this book of Luke and we say, this is how we pray. Lord is teaching us how to pray, how to begin saying, Lord, give me day by day my daily bread. Those considerations are all things that we want to have in our faith, which is why the enemy attacks us with fear. Which is why the enemy comes at us with fear. So in this season, here's your directions. Make sure if you watch the news, you need to know. Watch the news. Don't let the news replay to another cycle. Hear it once. Hear it one time and then turn away. You need to be wise. You have to have knowledge. You need to know what's going on, but you don't need to meditate on it. Once you've heard what's going on, then you go to your word and you begin looking to the scriptures and finding out what does God say regarding this. And then you put your meditation on the word and let the word become your meditation. Then let the word become your declaration. It becomes what you say out of your mouth, what you begin to proclaim, what you begin to speak, what you begin to say. Because why? We hold fast to our confession. So he says here in verse four, and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. If you have people who owe you stuff, let it go. Right now's the time. If somebody owes you $500, call them up and say, guess what? That 500 is no problem. It's yours. Take it. I don't need it. Woo. Hallelujah. I wish I was in the room so I could hear you saying hallelujah back to me because I know you love that. <laughs> hallelujah. Listen, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everybody. We let everybody go free. Somebody offended you, go to God, say, Lord, I'm letting it go. And let it go. Let it go. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Recognize there's an evil one in the world. And the evil one's job is not to bring what we think of as demonic things into our life, but to get us not to look to God. The evil one's job is not to scare us, is not to do everything. Sometimes the evil one will come and comfort you. But you have to recognize that even in that, I need to be delivered from the evil one. I need to be delivered from the evil one's things that make me look to people rather than look God first. I need to let go of the things that are causing me to not embrace God's messages to me, God's word to me. I need to embrace God and not let the evil one deceive me or trick me. So last thing I want you to look at is in the book of James chapter 5. And in the book of James chapter 5, we looked at this last week, it says, confess your trespasses. In other words, when you've prayed, it said we need to come before God, forgive, let God forgive us. And here he reminds them, you need to confess your trespasses one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Recognize this, in this season, you should be encouragers. In this season, you should be reaching out to others and encouraging them. In this season, you should be calling people and letting them tell you their fears and then let those fears go. Encourage them out of those fears. Pray one for another. It's the season to be praying for each other. It's the season where we should be embracing each other. It's the season where the body of Christ should really make sure that we are reaching out and caring for our own body. And this is what we want you to walk away and remember. 
the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Your prayers are effective and fervent. Another translation says the skillful and fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Another version says makes much power available. So understand that when you become effective and fervent in your prayers, to be effective means that you know how. Fervent means that you do it. (laughs) You do it with energy. You do it with what you have. You do it with your might of a righteous person. And remember, you're not righteous because of your behavior. You're righteous by faith. Your righteousness is obtained because of your faith and your trust in God. And when you trust in God, your righteousness is established. And when you do that, there's power available. It avails much. It makes things happen. And in this season, we need the church to be praying and making sure that as we pray, we pray with an understanding that we have boldness and access, that we've been given the manifold wisdom of God to be able to manifest and bring forth the things that God desires, that he wants his will to be done on the earth the way it is in heaven. And the key is going to be our prayers. So, We're entering at ALWC our 21 days of prayer. Our 21 days of prayer is where we're entering in. 21 days for us to keep our focus on prayer and to daily go before God praying in this manner and remembering the things that we need to pray for, recognizing that we have power to make changes in the world. We're not victims in the world. We are victors in the world. We are people who are able to bring power and bring the will of God to earth the way it is in heaven. But it requires a unified body, not just our church, but a unified body of Christ. That means the other believers that you know that go to different churches. Let there be no division between you. Make sure that you're praying for people. Don't despise another church. Don't despise other people. If somebody says, I believe in Jesus, then you're your brother. They're your sister. No matter where they go to church, if they don't go to church, if they believe on the name of Jesus, then they are part of the body of Christ. And so we want to be praying for the body of Christ. And we want to be praying that God would turn right now earth into heaven. That his will be done on the earth. That number one, that there be healing in the nations. That there be healing in the nations. We want people to be healed of the affliction right now of this virus and everything else because even while we're dealing with this virus there are unfortunately people who are still getting cancer unfortunately still people are battling other things this is not the only thing going on in the world so we want to make sure that we're praying for healing to flow in the world number two we want to be praying for people's provision that people have what they need that the spirit of greed and the spirit of theft be broken We want that thing to be broken so that people are not in panic trying to grab more. Number three, we want to pray God's kingdom to come. His kingdom come here in our earth. And especially we want to pray these prayers over first our oikos, the people God has supernaturally pulled around us. Those people that God has supernaturally placed in our life, we want to be praying for them. And number two, praying for our local communities, and praying for our nation and the world. So let me summarize for you really quickly. God's desire is that the church manifest his glory in this season. 
And sometimes the greater the tragedy, the greater the anointing there is to overcome. And so understand that God, is, God was not surprised by the appearance of this virus. That before the foundation of the world, he knew. And that you're here for just such a time as this. Number two, pray. You have boldness and access to the throne of God. And the word has been given to you to help you in that process. And so the word is alive. And the word should be part of your prayer life. So that when you come boldly before the throne of grace, you have confidence that God is hearing you and that God is with you. The third thing is, there is a pattern for prayer. Very simple pattern for prayer. Our Father, recognize who you're talking to and where he is. Holy is your name, which is to worship the Lord. Give me this day my daily bread. Pray for provision. And what I missed in the middle is, thy kingdom come, let your will be done. Then we want to say, God, forgive us for where we missed it. And give us the power to forgive and release others. And protect us from the evil one. Knowing that and recognizing that God is with us will then lead us to this last thing we're going to read to you. And I'm going to read to this to you so you can keep your meditation where it's supposed to be. And that is back to Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read you verses 14 through 21. And as you listen, be inspired to do what God's called you to do. Verse 14 says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm praying for you. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. He wants us all to understand. What is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages world without end amen amen praise the lord we're going to pray and then we're going to have a couple of announcements for you and then we'll have a time of giving so let's bow your heads please father in jesus name we thank you for those who've been with us today we thank you for those of our team that are here in the building to help us create this broadcast and we pray for those who are watching we pray, Father, right now by the Holy Spirit, Lord, that the word that has been spoken would stick with us. Bring revelation, knowledge, and understanding to each of us that have heard the word today. And as we've heard the word, Lord, let us also be empowered to recognize that prayer changes things. And as we enter this 21 days of prayer leading to Easter, we thank you, Lord, that your wisdom and your knowledge is going to be among us we thank you that our prayers are going to follow the pattern which you've given us and we will not let go of the fact that the effectual and fervent prayers of a righteous person is going to make tremendous power available and so thank you for the power of god and we thank you for making world changers out of us that our prayers are touching the heavens and our prayers are bringing heaven to earth 
So I thank you right now that any person here who's been struggling with their faith, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would motivate and touch them, strengthen them, Lord, to not see what the enemy shows them, but to see all those that are with us. Lord, thank you for opening our eyes of our understanding. Let it be flooded with light that we might see your grace and your mercy in this moment, that we might see your provision. I thank you, Lord, that by your Holy Spirit, you will guide us with your eyes. You will show us how to go in. You will show us how to come out. You will show us the places we should be and the places that we should leave. And you, we thank you right now that your grace is going to be more than sufficient in this season. I thank you right now for the provision for your people. I thank you right now, those who are, are in fear, that let their faith be turned to you right now. And I thank you, Lord, as you turn their faith by the Holy Spirit, that you would also draw them close to you. And we thank you that we declare the word of God, which says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, we thank you for these things right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message titled Faith and Wisdom from our series, The Best Year Ever. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. On our site, you're going to find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you. On our media page, you can catch our live stream worship service, which is broadcast every Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. Now, you can also find us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless. We look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Until then, please remember that Jesus came to give you life and that more abundantly.